Amen. Lord, we thank you that we come before a faithful God this morning, faithful to me. We thank you for your faithfulness as we look back over the past week. We thank you that as we look forward, we know we look forward with a faithful God. We pray now as we come to look at your word that you would bless us, that you would speak to us, that, Lord, you'd move us on in our journey with you as we understand more about the amazing God that you are and the call that you've given to each of us to follow and to serve you. We worship you for your faithfulness this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. For those who don't know me, my name's um, Kay. I'm one of the ministers here at CBC, and it's a privilege to, to bring God's word this morning. Um, my colleague Chris and Meg and the family are on holiday this week. It's half term, which partly explains I think there are several families away. Um, so we do pray that they will have a really wonderful, a wonderful week um, of rest and relaxation. Well, um, we're at the end, almost. No, one more week to go. Penultimate, haven't we? Penultimate week of our um, sermon series on spiritual gifts. Um, what an adventure. Wow, what an adventure we've been on over the last few weeks. We've sought to grapple with uh, Paul's call to the church to eagerly desire prophecy. We've explored what's arguably been um, called the most controversial gift of speaking in tongues. And we've delved into perhaps what is the most difficult one to get our head round of healings and miracles. And we've discovered, haven't we, the place of honest faith. I like that phrase, honest faith, with all its questions and all its tensions that it brings as we grapple with these things. And haven't we appreciated the testimonies and the stories that we've heard week by week of honest faith? of faith in action, and it was great to hear from, um, oh goodness me, Susie, how could I forget Susie's name, name blank this morning, um, it was great to hear from Susie as well this morning, so thank you Susie so much for sharing. Well today we're going to go right back to the beginning of the list of gifts, um, and look at what Paul speaks of at the beginning of, of uh, 1 Corinthians 12, this isn't an exhaustive list that we've looked at. Um, Paul also speaks of spiritual gifts in Romans 12, in Ephesians 4, and also later on in 1 Corinthians 12 as well. But I want to begin by reminding us of the words that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12 as he speaks uh, to the church in Corinth, beginning at verse 4, and he says this, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. Now to each one, of the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. Different gifts, but the same God. Different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Different kinds of working out of service and gifts, but it's the same God who's at work every time. Always the same God. Wisdom and knowledge. Well, I imagine as I look round today that most of us here would probably love some wisdom or some knowledge to help us with something that we're facing um, at the moment. If you're 
Um, if you stop for a moment and think, I wonder what it is that comes to mind. You think, yeah, I'd really love some wisdom around that particular issue. I wonder what it is for you this morning. And as Christine's reminded us as we've been praying, our world is certainly in need of some wisdom at the moment, isn't it? Sadly, though, what hits the headlines is often lack of wisdom, isn't it? Um, There are some people in our country at the moment that are hitting the headlines because of their lack of wisdom, plenty of knowledge, but maybe not demonstrating so much wisdom. But we'd all agree, I guess, when we think about this, that knowledge doesn't always necessarily equate to wisdom, does it? We can have all the knowledge in the world, but very little wisdom. And you might well have heard of um, this famous quote, knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put it in your fruit salad. So true, isn't it? So true. So how do we understand the spiritual gifts of wisdom and knowledge, though? Well, it's really interesting when you look at these two gifts, words of wisdom and words of knowledge. This is the only time they're mentioned by Paul, and that's it. Just two statements, no information, no guidelines. Like we had with prophecy and tongues, there was quite a lot to dig into to help us unpack them but not with these two. But I think as we think back over the last few weeks about our teaching, there's been a lot of overlap, hasn't there, between the different gifts. I think in truth they're often used simultaneously within the church and seen to be given simultaneously. They're they're always given, though, for the same purpose, aren't they? For the common good of the church. And I think they often complement and and enhance one another in, in their use. And I would say that... Wisdom and uh, knowledge gifts are similar to the gift of prophecy in that they reveal to us the mind and the heart of God. And they're instrumental always in helping us to live those holy lives that God has called us to live. And Paul encourages uh, the Corinthians, doesn't he, to eagerly desire prophecy more than any other gift. And I wonder if there's some truth in that for um, wisdom and knowledge that we should desire these gifts because they have such a similar role to that role of prophecy. So, a definition. Bear with me, it's a bit of a long one. I've put it up for you to see. A word of wisdom or knowledge is not something that comes through life experience or education, but is divine revelation about and into an issue that needs to be dealt with, offering supernatural direction about how to act in God's will and ways in that situation or moment for his glory and to know him better. Now, forgive me for being a bit of a long one, but um, it's a mishmash from me of several definitions that I read that I brought together. And if you're in home group and you discuss it, I've asked if there's things you'd take out or add to that. Um, but I hope it's helpful. And I hope that the, the bit in, um, in bold is the bit that I want you to... It's divine revelation. It's the... Um, It's a spiritual ability given by God by divine revelation. It's not something that we simply get because we've got grey hair now, that we're a bit older and wiser. As Josh was saying, it's not necessarily because we're well-educated or even if we've got exceptionally good common sense, which sometimes is a good thing to live by. It's not. It's in that moment we receive divine revelation. So with this definition that we've got in front of us, we're going to begin to think about wisdom and knowledge, what that Paul mentions um, as these two gifts. 
But if you take a look back in 1 Corinthians at the beginning part of Paul's letter, discover that this mention of wisdom and knowledge isn't the first time that he's mentioned them. He mentions them back in the beginning of his letter. So I think it would be good to have a look because it helps us have an insight into what Paul means. And in opposition to the culture of the time, the culture of the time um, which considered that debate and eloquent argument, argument was a way of understanding and getting to know God. It considered that the more knowledge you've got, the more ability to expand your thinking and to, and to discuss it and debate it would make you more pious, religiously pious. Paul says something quite different. He speaks about a very different Wisdom. So I want to read to you uh, verses 22 to 25 of 1 Corinthians 1. And he says this. It's a great passage. It's worth reading it all. But I'll just read these verses. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. God offers wisdom that is considered foolish by this world. It's not something that we can earn. It's not something that we work hard to achieve. It's found in our relationship with God. Jesus in Jesus. Jesus is wisdom, Paul tells us. Wisdom that's come from God. Jesus came in apparent weakness, didn't he, in worldly terms, but in humility and love. It's through Jesus that we get to understand, that we get to know God, the God who created us, the God who loves us, the God we've just been singing about who's so faithful to us. And Paul goes on to say that this secret wisdom has been revealed to us by his spirit. So this is where this wisdom and knowledge that uh, Paul is talking about, it begins when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. We begin that lifetime journey as we discover and, and get to know more about God. Colossia, um, in Colossians, Paul prays for the Christians that they may know the mystery of God namely Christ. And he says, in whom are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. There you are. That's where wisdom and knowledge is found. It's found in Jesus. And that means, and I find this quite mind-blowing, that the wisdom and knowledge that God wants to give us is his very own wisdom and knowledge. It's wisdom and knowledge of God given to us. He desires to impart his knowledge and his wisdom to us so that we can know him better. As with all the spiritual gifts that we're exploring, the point is of knowing Jesus. Knowing Jesus is the key to it all, isn't it? Knowing Jesus, the wisdom and knowledge of God. Jesus is the key, but he's also the goal. And James, of course, gives us an amazing promise, doesn't he? And I'm sure you've quoted it many times. Um, an invitation for all, the, all believers that if we lack wisdom... Ask God because he's generous and will give wisdom to us. So we start off by saying that wisdom and knowledge from God are part of our ongoing journey of discipleship as well as these specific gifts of grace that God gives to his people to bless his church. And so Paul points us to Jesus 
If we look at the life of Jesus, we see him displaying knowledge, we see him using words of wisdom. If you think about that time when he is asked whether they, they should pay taxes to Caesar or not, he couldn't win. Whatever answer he said would have been wrong, but with divine wisdom in that moment, he gave an answer, the Bible tells us, that silenced everyone and amazed them. They couldn't believe his answer and the wisdom that he showed. And he demonstrated many words of knowledge as well. Do you remember Nathaniel? I love this story when Philip brings Nathaniel to Jesus and Jesus says, I saw you sat under the fig tree, a word of knowledge. And the response of Nathaniel was, wow, you must be the Messiah, the Son of God, the impact it had on him. So we look and we see in Jesus the wisdom and the knowledge of God. But there's one person in the Old Testament, or throughout the Bible really, who's known, isn't he, for his wisdom. And I'm sure you know exactly who I'm talking about. Of course, Solomon, David, uh, King David's son, longed for wisdom, didn't he? The Bible says that he had wisdom and understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Incredible must that be. Wisdom as measureless as the sand on the seashore. And that everybody from all the nations around the world came to hear his wisdom, to speak to him. And of course, we now read his wisdom, don't we? In, in some of our Old Testament books, in Proverbs, um, we read a lot about Solomon's teaching. And he says there, pursue wisdom. It's more valuable than silver. Knowledge is more valuable than gold. Nothing is as valuable as wisdom, Solomon tells us. And I wonder if we just stop there and think about Solomon's desire for wisdom to know God. I wonder if we have that same desire this morning. Do we have that same desire to know God better, to understand his ways, to be tuned in with his thoughts, to let his wisdom, his knowledge shape our lives? We're going to read a story um, in 1 Kings chapter 3. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn to it, it's a fascinating story about how Solomon uses the wisdom that God gave him. I'm going to read from verse 16, 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 16. Now two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. One of them said, pardon me, my lord, this woman and I live in the same house and I had a baby while she was there with me. The third day after my child was born, this woman also had a baby. We were alone, there was no one in the house but the two of us. During the night, this woman's son died because she lay on him. She got up in the middle of the night, took my son from my side while your servant was asleep. She put him by her breast and put her dead son by my breast. The next morning, I got up to nurse my son, and he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't the son I had born. The other woman said, no, the living one is my son, the dead one is yours. But the first one insisted, no, the dead one is yours. The living one is mine. And so they argued before the king. The king said, this one says, my son is alive and your son is dead. While that one says, no, your son is dead and mine is alive. And then the king said, bring me a sword. So they brought a sword for the king. He then gave an order, cut the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. The woman, whose son was alive, was deeply moved out of her love for her son and said to the king, Please, my lord, give her the living baby. Don't kill him. 
But the other said, neither I nor you shall have him. Cut him in two. Then the king gave his ruling. Give the living baby to the first woman. Do not kill him. She is his mother. When all Israel heard the verdict the king had given, they held the king in awe because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice. What an impossible problem that Solomon had to solve. Difficult case. Who was the rightful mother of this living child? Well, I'm guessing today it wouldn't have been a problem, would it? They'd have submitted their DNA sample, and with relative ease, the rightful mother would have been discovered. But, of course, this was long before any of those sort of advances. Two incredibly distressed mothers with no witness between them to verify their story. They're one word against another. Well, King Solomon did the right, didn't he? He listened to their case, and he summed up this sad and difficult evidence. But his verdict, well, it's far from ordinary, wasn't it? <laughs> he calls for a sword, and he gives orders that the child should be divided up, shared between the two mothers, problem solved. Wow, what wisdom Solomon demonstrates in that moment, far beyond human wisdom or knowledge. He's given knowledge of the woman's heart, of the mother's heart, isn't he? He's given knowledge of the real love of a mother who would do anything, give up her child to that woman rather than see their child hurt. And he has the wisdom that brings about justice in that situation for that wronged mother. Incredible story. Want to put the story in context, though, as we consider the wisdom of Solomon, which is what we're doing. Because we need to rewind to the beginning of the chapter and we read of God's incredible offer to Solomon in verse 5, where he says, Ask whatever you want me to give you. Can you imagine that request? Well, we're told in verse 3 that Solomon loved God. That Solomon loved God. Despite all his wealth, all his status, son of King David, he loved God. And he demonstrated that love to God through his love of worship and sacrifice. And he also demonstrated his love of God by following in the footsteps of his, king, of his father, King David. He sought to obey and to follow God's word. Something for us here, I think, that if we long to be those who receive the, the, the gifts of words of wisdom, of words of knowledge, then we need to be those people who love God those people who love his word. We need to be ready to read and to study and to learn God's word, to feed on it, to feed on it in our hearts. And I wonder if that's not true of all gifts as we see them exercised, that they come from hearts that love God and that know and love his word. A deepening and earnest love for God, a knowledge and an understanding of his word. Those things will prepare us and, and make us in a place where we can be ready to receive and exercise the gifts that God longs to give us. I love the honesty of this story, though. Um, if you have time, I, I encourage you to go back and read Solomon's story, because he didn't always get things right, and actually it ended up in a very sad place. But even here, he wasn't completely sorted. He had a bit of a messed up life. But still God said, here's an offer. 
Ask me and I'll give you whatever you want. And I think this is a reminder from Solomon's life too. It's a reminder that God doesn't wait to reach out to us when we've got our lives all sorted out. We can often think that he does, don't we? That we have to be completely holy and obedient and have life all sorted for God to speak to us. But that's not true. Even in the mess, even in the mess, Lord invites Solomon to speak to him, to talk to him. It's a great question. I wonder what your response to that question would be today if God said to you, ask me and I'll give you whatever you want. Well, let's read, uh, let's read Solomon's response. It's an amazing humility in his response. It's in verse 7 of chapter 3. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. But I'm only a little child and I do not know how to carry out my duties Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart or a wise heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? Well, we see incredible humility, don't we? He recognises his need for help. He likens himself to a little child out of their depth. Have you ever felt like that? um, Solomon's inherited such responsibility, hasn't he, as the king of Israel. He realises these huge shoes that he's got to fill of his his father David. And rather than arrogantly thinking, I can do it, I'll be okay, I I can deliver what's needed. Instead, he humbly admits, I need you, God. I depend on you, I love that song, to help and to guide him. You know, to receive a gift the gift of wisdom or the gift of knowledge, to receive any gift we've said, haven't we, over and over, is a huge responsibility. Solomon acknowledged this huge responsibility he had with this wisdom that God had given to him. And so the responsibility of us is to receive those gifts humbly, isn't it? Recognising as we receive them that we're totally reliant on God to receive these grace gifts that he gives us. And when Solomon was confronted with this impossible court hearing, expected to judge a situation that really had no way of being unpicked, he was given this wonderful revelation, divine revelation, about how to solve that mystery. But his heart was prepared, wasn't it? It was prepared through this everyday loving of God, this everyday deepening of his personal faith as he, as he followed God's word and listened to God's word. I want to go back to the, uh, the, the quote that I used at the beginning, the, the definition, and, and look at it now in the light of what we've just heard. A word of wisdom or knowledge is not something that comes through life experience or education, but is divine revelation about and into an issue that needs to be dealt with. We've seen that in the life of Solomon. Offering supernatural direction about how to act in God's will and ways in that situational moment. We saw that, didn't we? A divine revelation about how speaking into a situation in that moment for his glory, for God's glory, and so that we can know him better. So I wonder, as as we've tried to unpack a bit about the gifts of wisdom and knowledge, is that a gift maybe that God has given to you, or a gift that you think is something that you would like to ask God for? Do you walk closely with Jesus and find that he talks to you about different situations? 
wonder, do you often find yourself having some kind of in insight, divine insight, when somebody's sharing with you and you, you end up giving them a, an answer to something that they're wrestling with and they go away um, clearer in their mind of what to do? Do you have a word or picture sometimes that God lays on your heart that is for somebody or for us as a church? Or do you find yourself praying and God gives you a word of scripture that's just right for a situation that you're praying into? These are all questions it's worth asking about whether these gifts are something God has given to us. And you know, as I thought about this and thought about us as a church, I'm convinced that these gifts are regularly being used, the gift of wisdom and the gift of knowledge in our life here at CBC at the moment, without us even realising that he's doing that. The number of times somebody's spoken truth into my life, I'm sure that's been your experience too. So can I encourage us this morning as we draw to a close that we search our hearts to see if, like Solomon, we have that deep love for God like Solomon had. Do we have a deep longing and understanding for his word? And do we have that humility that we're ready and willing to be used by him? As we said at the beginning, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, gifts are, are, are like prophecy that they must uh, be exercised with humility, but they also need to be shared in love. Do you remember Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 13? We've come back to those again, haven't we, again and again. If I have the gift of prophecy, fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, but I have not love, then I'm nothing. So as we close, let's go back to the beginning of our message. And I asked you, I wonder what it is in your life that you long for wisdom and you long for knowledge and insight into. What's that situation in your life that you're wrestling with at the moment? Or is it some of those tragedies, some of those difficult issues that are going in our, on in our world that trouble you at the, at the moment? Do you find it difficult to see? Do you find it difficult to see what's going on, what the answer is? I wonder, are you waiting on God for a word of knowledge this morning? A word of wisdom to help you unpack something that you're facing? What I realised the more I looked into this, so beautiful is that so often we're looking to see and understand. But when God brings a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom, it reminds us that God sees us. God sees our difficult situations. He sees those things that we're facing. And he says, I see and I want to help you understand. I want to help you have insight and knowledge as to what to do. Faithful God, we've sung about, haven't we? Faithful in every situation. He sees and he knows our situation. I'm going to finish by reading some of the words from Colossians that I referred to earlier in this, in this uh, message. And um, I wonder if the music group come up as I read them because uh, they fit beautifully with the song that Julie chose, I think, a bit of a word of knowledge uh, there. Julie, no idea how I was going to close the service and uh, uh, the sermon and uh, has chosen this beautiful song that just pulls it all together so beautifully. God at work, as he always is. Colossians 2. This is Paul's heart for the church. He says, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden 
all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. His prayer is that we know the mystery of God, which is Christ, back to the beginning. It's all about Jesus, isn't it? And in Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I wonder where your, where your heart is this morning. Is your heart searching for Jesus? Do you want to know more of Jesus this morning? Because there, that's where we find treasury of wisdom and knowledge. Knowing you, Jesus. Knowing you. There's no greater thing. My heart's desire is to know you more. You're my all. You're my best. You're my joy, my righteousness. Let's... Uh, Stand and sing together, shall we? This prayer of our hearts, knowing you, Jesus, knowing you.